1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Candlestick Chronicles podcast. I'm Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I'm live in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. Joining me, as always, back in Sacramento, staying cool is Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Kyle, is the weather significantly warmer in Northern California because it's really, really cold in Indy right now?
2: Yeah, I don't even know what the weather is in Northern California right now. I've been inside but all of the, uh, since 5 o'clock this morning. Uh, but yeah, my weather app says 53 degrees. I'm guessing I've probably got 45 or so degrees on you.
1: Good for you. Well done. Um, so this is my first combine. This is uh, it, We're recording this on Friday, so this is before uh, a lot of key pay- players are going to work out. The quarterbacks are going to speak to the media later today, the receivers too. Right now, the offensive linemen are working out on the field. What I didn't know coming to the combine was that media members would be prohibited from watching the workouts live. So we have to watch it on TV. So I'm recording this pod in my hotel room right now uh, because we are not allowed to watch the the workouts, which is that's odd, fascinating, which is odd to me. I don't really understand. You know, if they roped us off in the press box or whatever, like what would anyway. Doesn't matter. Um, so they
2: probably need all that space for coaches and stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, they yeah. So anyway, uh, the last few days have been pretty interesting for from from the forty nine ers standpoint. We talked to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan earlier this week. They had their podium sessions where they fielded questions from people, uh, the beat writers. We also got to uh, talk to them for fifteen twenty minutes away from the podium and and have some pretty interesting conversations about where things are headed with the team. Uh, I think where we have to start. Just overall, is is have the Kyler Murray conversation, right? So I think talking to people and and all of the buzz about the at the combine so far is about how Kyler Murray measuring in at five over five ten and two hundred and seven pounds, he passes the size threshold to be in serious consideration for the number one overall pick. Now, I will say that it benefits everybody in the draft, essentially, to to build up Kyler Murray. So maybe this is all just a giant smokescreen and everyone just wants other players to fall a little bit further down the board, right? That's very possible. And it's certainly possible with the 49ers. They have all the reasons in the world to gas up Kyler Murray and make sure that he goes number one, uh, allowing somebody like Nick Bosa to fall to number two, right? Um, so I, I think that's where we have to start because it seems like – the consensus around the combine is that Kyler Murray is going to go number one. He's, you know, he didn't have as many passes batted down at the line of scrimmage uh, like a lot of people would assume just because he's a shorter quarterback. Uh, He can throw from the pocket. He's also extremely athletic. He's really fast. Um, I think he could be sort of like an electric jitterbug, Steve Young type player potentially. Like everyone talks about Russell Wilson uh, I think he could have a lot of that to his game too, but he's a really good passer and he's extremely athletic. He's probably going to be the fastest guy in the field most times when he's playing at the next level. So is Cliff Kingsbury, the Arizona Cardinals new coach uh, going to make good on what he said a year ago when he was coaching at Texas tech, that he would have taken Kyler Murray with the number one pick in the draft. If if he had the opportunity well, he could have that opportunity, and if he doesn't do it, then I think there's a good chance the Cardinals trade out of that pick for another team that wants to take Kyler Murray. All in all, Kyler Murray measuring in at 5'10 and 207 pounds and, and seemingly solidifying himself as a yeah. as a bona fide number one prospect really helps the 49ers, uh, and John Lynch talked yeah. about it. So, you know, he said – he. I, th- I don't think John Lynch is lying when he says this. I think, you know, he's he's genuine in, in the fact that he said he, he watches Kyler Murray's tape for fun, and he's just a super explosive player. Um, and, you know, obviously the 49ers don't have any interest in, in any quarterbacks in this draft class because they already have three. But John Lynch gassing up Kyler Murray, like I said, potentially allows them to get Nick Bosa at number two. And what's interesting about Nick Bosa is, um, do you have anything you want to add before I, before I go into this defensive this defensive yeah, entry Yeah Which I Niners are going to are going to talk about
2: Yeah I wrote a little bit about this when Kyler Murray entered the combine was how much his measurements were going to matter to the 49ers for this exact reason and him checking in at 5'10" 207 that's like Russell Wilson size criticism of him was mostly limited to well we don't know how big he is and if he's 5'10 207 uh i think that eliminates uh one major cause of concern and like like you were saying elevates him uh firmly into the conversation to be the the top quarterback and possibly the top pick uh in in this year's draft
1: yeah and i think the, so oh, wait, of, what, what
2: one, one more thing one more thing on that sorry the okay. the other thing i thought was interesting when it, when you talk about the cardinals is something that the cardinals gm steve Kimes said and I wrote about this as well, was somebody asked if Josh Rosen's our quarterback. And he's like, yeah, Josh Rosen's our quarterback right now. Of course.
1: Like right. the, He's, a, the he's right, a quarterback for right now.
2: Yeah, right now was the, that qualifier to me. Maybe I'm reading too far into it, but was very, very interesting.
1: Yeah, and I think the Raiders are sort of doing the same thing, right? Like Mike Mayock said, Derek Carr, no question in my mind, is a franchise quarterback. Uh, he didn't say he's our franchise quarterback. And he also said he wouldn't rule out making an upgrade at the position, just like he wouldn't rule out making an upgrade at any position on the roster. And I think it's sort of the same thing. Right. It's it's well, you know, it, it behooves us to make the league think we're considering taking a quarterback because then a team wanting a quarterback could trade ahead of us. The Raiders are picking at number four. Right. Allowing an elite defensive player. Uh, to fall to number four. And the Raiders obviously have huge needs on defense, maybe more than quarterback, depending on, I mean, that's a polarizing discussion that we don't have to talk about, but it obviously behooves the Raiders to have two quarterbacks go in the top uh, ahead of them because then they would presumably have their chance at, you know, Josh Allen or Queen and Williams, or maybe Nick Bosa. I don't think Nick Bosa is going to get past the 49ers if they pick at number two. So I came into the combine thinking the 49ers we're probably going to end up coming out of this draft with Josh Allen. And Allen's a super bendy, athletic, outside linebacker type who could rush from the edge or drop in coverage, a perfect Sam linebacker for their scheme. And I still think that. Um, But one thing the 49ers said, both Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch said it, is the 49ers are, are changing the profile of what they look for at defensive end. And with new defensive line coach Chris Kosurik, they're going to use a lot more wide nine. What wide nine is, is essentially lining up the defensive ends further outside uh, the outside shoulder of offensive tackles or tight ends and essentially streamlining the angle to the quarterback. So instead of instead of going around, uh, you know, lining up a little bit inside the tackle and then trying to go around the tackle to get to the to the quarterback, you have a better angle to go straight to the quarterback and you can build up more momentum Uh, And maybe swim. It's easier to swim, move inside. It's easier to bull rush. Uh, You could still win outside. So in changing that profile and changing that angle, I asked John Lynch what what the new profile is going to look like. And he really emphasized power. So he said, you know, I want power. I can read the actual quote. Um, Yeah, I think I think power having that power and hopefully if you're picking real high, it's power, it's bend, it's all of it. Uh, and he said that with a smirk. And to me, when you t- when, when you just talk about power, particularly in relation to Josh Allen, I think the 49ers are very clearly honed in on, on Nick Bosa. Um, and I think it seems like they're comfortable with the idea that Kyler Murray is going to go number one and Nick Bosa is going to fall to them. Um, the other thing that is interesting that, that Kyle Shanahan wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole, which is revealing in of itself, um, the Giants might be trading Odell Beckham Jr. They're obviously talented wide receiver. Um multiple reports, Jay Glazer said it uh, in the athletic he he thinks Odell Beckham's gonna get traded. John Middlecoff, friend of the pod, has said um he's actually expecting Odell Beckham Jr. to to be on the 49ers this spring. I don't
2: he said, I think but, that's he, an impossible to month. expect.
1: Right. I think that's an impossible thing to expect. But It's not entirely unreasonable, and there are a few different ways that could play out, right? So the 49ers only have six picks in this draft, and it seems like they would have a hard time giving up the compensation to get Odell Beckham Jr. unless they trade back. So there's a scenario where Nick Bosa, widely considered the best prospect in the draft, goes number one, right? If Nick Bosa goes number one and, say, the 49ers like a defensive end like uh, uh, Burns from Florida State which I think there's, there's a case to be made, particularly that Burns weighed closer to 250 at the combine today, that there isn't as wide of a gap between Josh Allen and Burns as other people would have believed uh, when Burns was you know, listed at 235 pounds at Florida State last year. So if the 49ers like Burns enough and they think they could get Burns, say at seven, where the, the New York Giants pick, Maybe that's the trade if the Giants want Kyler Murray if Nick Bosa goes first. So then it becomes pretty reasonable. It's not crazy or outlandish to think that you could center a trade around Odell Beckham Jr., or if another team wants to trade into that number two spot, the Niners could have all sorts of ammo to offer the Giants for Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, And you remember the Eagles – Trading for, up for Carson Wentz in, in 2016, they sent five picks to the Browns, uh, including two first rounders, a uh, second round pick, 2016 third and fourth round picks, and then a 2018 second round pick. Um, I mean, the Niners would have more than enough to trade for Odell Beckham Jr. if that's what they wanted to do, moving down from two and then maybe still landing Burns or uh, Montez Sweat or Cleveland Farrell, another defensive end who would fit their scheme um and it's just it's it's a very interesting situation uh that the 49ers are going to be in and and i think they're you know we we talked about obviously you want to have you know the number one pick is obviously the most valuable pick in the draft but number two isn't a bad spot to be in and i know a lot of people were disappointed that the niners didn't end up with that number one overall pick but there might not be that much of a drop off particularly if they can get bosa or if Bosa goes first, they could trade out of that pick for a team wanting Kyler Murray, and then maybe they could flip those assets, uh, obviously, for more picks or get somebody like Odell Beckham Jr.
2: Yeah, it seems like the more Kyler Murray's draft stock goes up, uh, the better it is for for San Francisco with that with that second pick. And then something else, somebody else you mentioned, another play you mentioned, uh, Quinn and Williams, I think, is still very much in consideration. Uh, for that top pick. What's interesting to me is how much what happens with the first pick dictates what the Niners do or want to do with the number two pick. Like Mm -hmm. if, if a team is offering them a massive haul, let's say like a six pick haul to move up, uh, just pick, pick it, pick a team in the top, like in that, in that like five to eight range. And they offer a massive haul to move up to number two. But Nick Bosa falls to number two. Uh, finding out how the 49ers are going to prioritize. Okay, we really want Nick Bosa, but we think we can move down to seven or eight and still get a quality player plus all these this other compensation. Uh, that'll be an, a very interesting thing to watch to me uh, because like, you're picking second. If you can get the best player at your biggest position of need, you do it. But... You also understand the value of having added draft picks in a, in a year where you only have six selections.
1: Right. So I asked John Lynch, uh, what the, what's going to go into the decision um, to either stay put it to or potentially trade back? And he mentioned the defensive line class sort of unsolicited. He said, this is a really strong draft overall for defensive line. Um quote, that's uh, really strong in terms of impact players and in terms of depth. So it's kind of whatever kind of offers come your way. But also there's a scenario where there's a player that we just absolutely love. The only reason why you don't have that in stone right now is because coaches are just getting into this process. We've been working long and hard and some of some of them as well, because they always get eager to look. But we're just starting to collaborate with all those things. That will be an ongoing process, a real fun process. So you know, I, I get the idea that, it. I mean, it just feels like they're waiting on Bosa. Everything about talking about the wide nine, talking about power uh, in, in that profile for new defensive ends. It just seems like Bosa really is the perfect guy for that transition to that new style on passing downs in particular. Um, so, you know, like it's it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out because I think oh. if you add Nick Bosa... To, you know, DeForest Buckner's side, Uh, you allow Solomon Thomas and Armstead, who's going to come back to, you know, to the mix and you have a rotation. Um, It's the pass rush could be significantly better in 2019 and it could lead to a significant jump in terms of overall production from the defense. So, do you still think then if let's go to the,
2: the timeline where Nick Bosa goes first? And Mm -hmm. let's say a team that needs a quarterback trades up to number three and the 49ers can't trade out of number two. Do you still think it's Josh Allen or has that has your mind changed on that a little bit? Because I know you were in the camp a lot of people were in where it was either Bosa or Allen at two uh, unless they trade out.
1: I I think Allen is would still be would, would still be a good pick. Um, I'm just not entirely sure how well he fits the wide nine and you don't have to necessarily put him in that wide nine the entire time. I mean, you could, you could, you could figure out a way the Niners have to be smart enough. or Chris Kasurik has to be smart enough to figure out a way to generate pass rush in the best way that suits his personnel. Right. So right. if Allen is the best player on their board, then they should absolutely, take him. I, I think it would be, you know, with Kyler Murray sitting there on the board, um, I, I think the 49ers would be able to get a trade off if if they wanted to. I, I can't imagine there would be a scenario where a team isn't looking to trade up to number two. Maybe if But
2: maybe
1: they also need if, to get
2: they also need to get value for that. I mean if a team's no, like, absolutely. yeah, we'll take number
1: two for a couple of picks. Absolutely. No, I mean I th- I think they could make Allen work. Um, I don't think they would have a problem picking him. Uh, and maybe you know, I'm not sure. That that's that's probably the best question that that we could ask right now is if Bosa goes one, Kyler Murray's on the board, and there is an adequate value for a trade. Um I think they would just take Allen.
2: Interesting. If I had to okay. guess, at
1: this at this point right now, if I had to guess, I think that's what they would do.
2: Very interesting. Um Brian Burns, a guy we talked about on on the last podcast where we where we asked some pre combine questions we we talked a lot about brian burns and what's he going to weigh in at and and you mentioned earlier he was listed i think at 231 in florida state's media guide last year he comes in at 249 and if he has good workouts that's the kind of number weight wise that if he shows he can still move at that weight that that's the kind of number that i think could elevate him up boards and and it wouldn't surprise me if we start seeing his name mentioned uh, in that top three to five.
1: Yeah, and that's that's going to be really interesting, too, because then the power conversation becomes really prevalent, right? Is he going to be strong enough to do what they want him to do at that wide nine spot? Right. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I am haven't watched enough of, of Brian Burns admittedly yet to really have an opinion on that. I've watched a lot of Josh Allen. I think he could... Um, but he isn't the typical, he isn't like the power defensive end uh, right. that both is. So it, it'll be interesting to see. I think there, when it comes to pass rushers, there, there are tons of different ways to skin a cat, obviously. And you can, you can mold what you want to do to your personnel. Um, and, and if, if Allen really is as talented and as versatile and athletic as everyone thinks he is, Then that's just gonna. You're you're just gonna have to figure out a way to make that work. And and if you can't figure out a way to make that work, then maybe it's time you start making bigger changes with your coaching staff. Um, Because you know if if he is really that good of a player, then his talent should transcend whatever scheme you're running. Um, So that's probably the the early takeaway from uh, from the first couple days of the combine is the fact that it really seems like Nick Bosa is sort of emerging as the ideal pick for San Francisco number two. Not that that's breaking news because he's obviously widely considered the, the best prospect, the best defensive prospect in the draft, but just from the standpoint of the 49ers are altering what they're going to do with their defensive ends. And it sort of seems like Bosa is even a better fit than we might've thought uh, before Chris Kocurek was brought in. So that's, that's a pretty interesting development. An- another, you know, maybe less interesting development uh, Eric Armstead is coming back. Kyle Shanahan confirmed that on Wednesday. Uh, the Niners are going to pay him just north of, of $9 million. Um, he Kyle Shanahan said he envisions Armstead as an edge player on rushing downs. So presumably he'd be a big end or maybe even a Leo um, depending on matchups in running downs on the 49ers are in their base, you know, four three over defensive front. Uh, and then Armstead will be moved inside, or maybe along, maybe a, among a rotation of interior pass rushers with Solomon Thomas, DeForest Buckner, Sheldon Day, DJ Jones, um, Ronald Blair, all those guys. When the Niners go against you know passing formations, so that's interesting. Nine million dollars is a pretty significant investment for a guy who just had three sacks last year. The Niners are obviously banking on him taking a significant jump. In his development, if he can stay healthy for another sixteen games, I'd imagine they think he's capable of, you know, still being really good against the run. Um, but maybe, you know, having six to eight sacks uh in an ideal world with with the new scheme and improved talent around him, particularly on the edge with someone like Nick Bosa. Um so that was interesting. Uh what what was your thoughts when when you heard the Niners were were gonna bring back Eric Armstead for sure?
2: I thought that's the right move. I've I've been pretty much on board with that all off season and I like the idea of getting him back for one year on on the night for the for the nine nine million, right?
0: Yeah, just over nine million. A little over
2: shade over nine million. And I like that that the short term kind of like tryout deal basically. It's it's essentially a one year prove it deal where if he comes in and he's still very good against the run and maybe adds a little bit as a pass rusher, then you can sign him long term. And he has to stay healthy, like you mentioned. Uh, you got to keep him on the field for 16 games, uh, playing it playing at full strength. And if he can, if he can take another small step forward and prove to be a starting lineman in in the in the NFL, then I think you know you, you sign him for a longer term. You know, not a crazy deal, but uh, you just you keep him around. But if he takes another step back or he gets hurt again, then uh, you're out nine million bucks for this year. They're not in cap hell or anything, and you let him go on his way in the offseason. So yeah, I I I, I like the move. I agree with what they did, and both Shanahan and Lynch said uh, that it was an easy call for them. And I think I think it was it's probably the right call.
1: Yeah, I, I think I tend to agree. You're just, but you're banking on upside, and there is pretty significant risk. And it's probably not a move that you make if you don't have sixty five million in cap space, right? Uh, if they hundred percent, if they're pinching pennies, uh, they're probably not bringing back Armstead and taking on that risk. And they also, you know, they want to be viewed as. Uh, player friendly, right? They want to be viewed as throughout the league as, as a front office that rewards players who do things the right way, uh, handle their business, stay in shape, work hard. Uh, if you do that, you will get paid and we will treat you right. Even if there are questions about your production, you can say the same thing about Jimmy Ward last year. Uh, he played on his fifth year option. Obviously that was probably a regrettable decision because he got hurt again. Um, and did you know on uh, injured reserve for the fourth, fourth time in his five seasons because he fractured a bone in his body um but he did things the right way off the field and the 49ers want to set that precedent to other free agents throughout the league that we're going to take care of you if you approach it the right way even if You know things don't necessarily go your way if your production's hampered because of injuries or whatnot. So I think Eric Armstead falls in line with that, and I think you're sort of noticing throughout the league the Niners are viewed as a more favorable destination in part because of it. A lot of it's because teams want or players want to play in Kyle Shanahan's offense, but I think they look at the way they treat their players, and I think that I think that's that's a good place to be in. Uh, if you're the 49ers just taking care of players who do things the right way and they don't have any problem shipping out players who don't do things the right way. Right. Um, we've right. seen that throughout the first two years. So uh, they like Eric Armstead, despite some, some questions about his production. I think he's perfectly fine. If you're counting on him to be a part of a rotation, if you're counting on him to be your best defensive lineman, then I think you're asking for, for problems. But if he's going to be your third or fourth best defensive lineman, then I think you're you're in a decent spot there. Uh, other bit of news, which I thought was pretty interesting, uh, we see Richard Sherman walking the hallways at the Indiana Convention Center where the combines being held, or at least where all the the interviews and and uh, meetings and stuff are being held, and we. Uh, with Matt Barrows, uh, uh, formerly of the Sacramento Bee, now of the Athletic, and he asked Richard Sherman about Earl Thomas and if he's talking, if he's spoken with Earl Thomas, and just where things are at in Thomas's mind heading into free agency. Um, Sherman made it very clear the Niners are probably, and Sherman talks with Thomas a lot. He he made it pretty clear the Niners could absolutely have Thomas if they outbid the Cowboys. Um, he said, all things being equal, the money's are if the money's equal. Uh, Thomas is going to go to Dallas. Um, but Thomas will go to the highest bidder. Sherman made that pretty clear. And the 49ers are going to be able to pay Thomas more than the Cowboys because the Cowboys have all these contracts to back Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Byron Jones, Amari Cooper, uh, Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence. Right. Absolutely. Um, and the Niners, like we just said, have $65 million in cap space. And, uh, you know, the
2: Cowboys have uh, $49.4 Uh, with with all those contracts coming up like you said
1: right so the the Cowboys are going to get expensive real fast Um, so you know maybe they decide maybe they can outbid the 49ers if they decide not to bring those players back maybe they move on from Zeke Elliott Um, you know I mean I don't think that's that's likely but they're gonna have to make some serious concessions if they want Earl Thomas so if if it came down to paying Zeke Elliott, who's significantly younger than Earl Thomas or bringing in Earl Thomas for the, for the twilight of his career, I think the choice for Dallas is going to be Zeke. But the the point is the Niners are going to have a real shot. And I don't think it's just speculation anymore. I think it's fair to say that Earl Thomas very, there's a, there's a very real chance he could be playing for the 49ers next year uh, for all the same reasons that Richard Sherman came. Obviously they run the same scheme. Uh, Thomas would have, the chance to play the Seahawks twice a year for the next three or four years, depending on how much longer he plays. Um, and he was really good. He was he was arguably the best safety in football over the first uh, I guess, what, four plus games last year before he went down with his fractured, fractured leg. He's gonna be 30 this offseason, but I think it would make absolute sense to bring him in. And if you're paying him 13, 14 million a year, uh, and you happen to make dramatic improvements along your defensive line and improve the pass rush then i think the 49ers defense could really be good enough to to keep this team in, in serious playoff contention throughout 2019 is there any doubt about that or, or like no. how, how, worried no, would you no. be, how worried would you be about adding thomas at this point in his career off that injury
2: I'm not if it was a ACL or some kind of ligament injury I'd be I'd be a little more concerned but I think a broken leg you pretty much heal it and he he broke it so early last year he'll be he'll be good to go probably close to 100% of what he was at. He still had 3 interceptions in 4 games last year that's more than the Niners had all year and he's 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 arguably the best safety in the league. There are people I don't agree but there are people who would call him the best the best safety ever. And if you if you can add, let's let's call him a top five safety of all time, uh, who is very familiar with this defense in a position where you need a good player at that spot. Yeah, I think I think you go do it. I, I, I feel really good about that for San Francisco. They have the cap space to do it, and you'd probably still get two or three seasons of, of a really good Earl Thomas. And that's that's not something I think you can really complain about at this point.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I do think that's the key point, right? Two or three seasons is probably all you should realistically expect from him. And people would say, well, why would you want to pay so much money to a player that old when you can save it, maybe draft somebody, develop them, whatever. That's all fine, but like the Niners haven't made the playoffs since 2013, and I get the feeling that they're going to push their chips hard to the middle of the table because they're really – I mean, Kyle Shanahan has not had fun Going 10 and 22 over the last two seasons and going 4 and 12 last year after losing Jimmy Garoppolo after coming into the season with such high expectations surrounding the team. They are sick and tired of losing. And yeah, they might not take the most idealized long term approach to team building, but I think they're going to start throwing their chips into the center of the table. And I think that includes making a super aggressive offer to Earl Thomas, even though he's coming off of a fractured leg and even though he's going to be 30. Uh, you know, Thomas before the injury didn't really show any signs of slowing down and I wouldn't be opposed to making you know paying him 12 13 14 million dollars making him the highest paid free safety in football if it meant getting him at that near all pro level and really solidifying the back end of that defense after it was arguably the worst group of safeties in the league last year Uh, and a lot of that had to do with injuries but if you get Thomas we know how well he fits the scheme uh, we know what kind of production he can have when he's playing his best, and he will have every motivation in the world to play really well, be- knowing that he has a chance to play the Seahawks twice a year and be motivated. <laughs> Bless me. Uh, and be motivated by having Richard Sherman play alongside him every game.
2: That's that's really key. Is that that kind of motivation to continue playing at a high level and not that not that he would go to the Cowboys, you know, and coast? But the Niners offered just that little bit of edge, and we saw how well Richard Sherman played last year. He was obviously coming off a much more significant injury with that Achilles, uh, but I I just I really think that Earl Thomas solves a lot of problems for San Francisco in the back end of their defense, and, and it just it makes it makes so much sense for for them to overpay him a little bit if they have to 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 get him to santa clara
1: hey kyle do you hey think do you think earl thomas has life insurance i would hope so right i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of earning power at stake right or he has yeah he, yeah totally so so life can be stressful kyle but getting it life sure insurance
2: can. especially when you don't
1: have a good free safety yeah <laughs> Getting life insurance should not be stressful. That's why there's ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance. It's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At getethos.com, there are no medical exams or policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com. E-T-H-O-S, getethos.com, getethos.com. Okay, so Kyle, after with workouts starting this weekend, what, what, are, what have your key takeaways from the Combine been so far aside from these things that we've been talking about?
2: The Kyler Murray thing has been has been huge. His his height and weight were going to be the main focus for a lot of teams this during the combine throughout this process. And his his five ten two hundred and seven pound uh frame boosts his draft stock a lot, which I think really benefits the 49ers in a lot of way, whether it's landing Nick Bosa or landing a huge deal. Uh, to trade back a few spots, and tying into that, if they do trade back a few spots, a player like Brian Burns weighing in at close to two hundred and fifty pounds, after there was concern he might only come in at like two thirty five, that's that's another big deal for San Francisco. So early on, I know there's been a big deal with with Jonah Williams and his arm length, uh, the tackle, the offensive tackle from from Alabama widely regarded as the top tackle in this draft, his arms were a little bit short and it it became a talking point to, to say, Hey, these are just kind of like checkpoints, not really a, a necessary, they're like guidelines. They're not necessary for success. Um, that's, that's been really funny to watch too. And watching people kind of pull back the idea of, Hey, if you don't hit these physical benchmarks, you're not going to be a good player. Um, that's been that's been a fun story to watch too because it's been so heavily harped on this draft I think more than any other also hakeem butler holy crap
1: okay give me your hakeem butler take
2: the the wide receiver from from iowa state i don't have his exact measurements in front of me but he was the top receiver in like height hand size no not hand size height arm length and and wingspan he is a massive, massive human.
1: And yeah, I think so he's, he's gonna work he's, out really well, and his his tape is good too. Six foot five and three eighths inches, uh two hundred and twenty-seven pounds, ten and six-eighths hands. Those are enormous hands. Uh 35 <laughs> and a quarter inch arms, those are really long arms. Um, yeah, I mean the key I mean I I always come back to this, but like key with receivers is can he separate? And I think Kyle Shannon will always take the ability to to run routes and separate from coverage oversize but that doesn't mean that's not a disqualifier that he like that he dislikes big receivers it's just if right. it's a big receiver he's got to do both and i think the the most obvious example of that is Julio Jones right so
2: and and i think i think Butler can i haven't i admittedly haven't watched a ton of him but i've seen enough that that I'd feel very optimistic about, about him as a, as a pass catcher in the Niners offense.
1: Right. And they're, they're going to be, that's Okay. Let's talk about receivers. That's, that's a good, uh, that's a good talking point. Uh, Kyle Shanahan talked a lot about receivers yesterday, or I guess Wednesday because uh, you know, he, he answered questions about Antonio Brown and, and, he sort of reiterated what he said in the past without mentioning Brown directly because Brown's under contract with the Steelers and, and that would be tampering. But Shanahan sort of said, reiterated that, you know, he's, he's not going to bring in somebody who's going to be who's going to mess up the locker room chemistry and all that. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, there have been reports that have come out since that have said the 49ers and both Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch said they have not spoken with the Steelers about potentially trading for Brown. Um, and there have been reports confirming that too. So it seems like the 49ers are not interested in trading for Antonio Brown, but Kyle Shanahan definitely wants to remake the receiving core or at least significantly upgrade it. And he said late last season in 2018 that eventually or ideally Marquise Goodwin would not be sort of a, a number one or number two receiver uh, in an idealized scenario. Like they, Mark like goodwin would be that taylor gabriel sort of third receiver uh the guy who takes the top off the defense who you're not relying on heavily because obviously he's had so many injuries and um you know durability issues and things like that marquise goodwin is a lot of people have have made this comparison i think it's a good one he's like the high-end sports car where if you know something's wrong with it it's got to be in the shop for a couple weeks uh but when it's running great it's it's awesome it's really fast that's like that's marquise goodwin to a t right so right. looking up the quote, um, he want, it's clear the 49ers are going to make additions at receiver. And I think it's most likely going to come in the draft, maybe trade um, and maybe free agency. I think free agency is probably the least likely scenario just because there aren't a ton of guys that would be good values. Um, but he said, uh, I want the receivers to take it to another level. I want to bring in people that can take them to take it to another level, or I want to bring in people to pass them, meaning guys like Kendrick Bourne and Marquise Goodwin. Um, and that's just what you do. Those guys came in and replaced a receiver group. There were zero – that he said there were zero uh, receivers on the roster when they came in. Um, yada, yada, yada. Okay, but this is the NFL, and you want the best at everything, and those guys have shown some things that make us believe in them a lot – that's why we, re- we re-signed Goodwin to keep him here. That's why we continue to play Bourne. But if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And our team's been 4-12, and 12, and I want us to get a lot better. That starts with me. That starts with Keith, That starts with our quarterback. That starts with anyone. And that's at every position. So saying he wants to bring in guys, he's open to bringing in guys to just pass those guys for playing time on the depth chart. Makes me think, you know, there maybe they really are in on this Odell Beckham thing, like has been reported. Uh, despite the Giants' GM Dave Gettleman coming out and saying they didn't sign Beckham last summer to his five-year contract to trade him, um, but newsflash, Kyle, sometimes NFL executives lie when they're speaking publicly. I don't know. I'm sorry, you know. what? Yeah, it's crazy. Sometimes they're not truthful. Um, wow. But I, I, I'll keep circling back to that number six pick in the second round. And I, I think the 49ers, there are going to be a lot of receivers sort of in that second and third round range, uh, which we've talked about already, but I'm more convinced now, unless they make this blockbuster trade for Odell Beckham, which I still think is a long shot, but certainly not impossible. Um, that third, that number 36 spot is going to be a good spot to find a potential starting receiver.
2: I think in in a lot of years, it it, it feels like this receiver class Yeah, it just like you said, there's going to be so many good players available at 36. And with this receiver class, it feels like when you look at between Hakeem Butler and Nikhil Harry and A.J. Brown, maybe Debo Samuel to an extent, in a lot of years, these would be like first round guys. But because the class is so deep, you start getting good players pushed down into early second round, maybe late second, early third. And it's going to be up to the 49ers to decide uh, if they want to fill that need at 36 or wait till the third round, depending on who's still available. Um, it just, it, ultimately I agree with you that 36 feels like the right spot.
1: Yeah, and and one of the interesting things about this draft class as a whole, and a lot of people have talked about it, is just the depth of the defensive line group, right? Like we've talked about Edge's endlessly. But there are also a lot of really good interior defensive line prospects. And as have said that they think this is the best prospect or this best class along the defensive line in years. Well, the residual of that, right, is that other positions get pushed down the board. If everyone's taking defensive linemen, then, you know, there's there are going to be positions available early in the second round that might not have been there in a normal year where things are a little bit more even. So if everybody takes defensive linemen, you know, if they're, say, 10 defensive linemen that go in the first round, which I think is a pretty significant possibility. Then you're talking about other positions falling a little bit further down the board. And I think receiver is going to be one of them. People talk a lot about the, uh, the depth of the offensive line class. Maybe there isn't that sure fire top five offensive lineman, but there could be a number of tackles, you know, maybe two or three or four that go in the first round that also push receivers down the board. Um, so it'll be it'll be very interesting to see. I think it's a pass-happy league, right? So you'll see offensive tackles who obviously play an important role in the passing game. You'll see pass rushers who are the most important position on defense. And then you'll see receivers go early in this draft. So that's, that's sort of the, the early takeaway from, from a few days at the combine. I'm going to be flying back tomorrow and then watching all the workouts and having more. We'll, we'll be able to once. I mean, the, the edge guys are working out Sunday. And obviously, we're going to keep a close eye on that. Um, but I think I got a jet to interviews. Kyler Murray is going to speak today. Dwayne Haskins is going to speak today. Uh, these receivers that we spoke about are all talking today. I'm not expecting any of them to reveal anything too significant, but it is my duty to be there. So I got to run, Kyle. Thank you very much for hopping on this pod with me, making it work with your busy schedule. Um, and thanks for everyone for listening. This has been Candlestick Chronicles. On the Blue Wire Network, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll talk to you guys next week.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,